Welcome to Our Lives with Shannon Fisher, where we discuss everything that brings us life. Come join the fun, we're talking about our lives. Hello everyone, welcome to the brand new season of Our Lives with Shannon Fisher. I am so excited to be back on the air and we've had a lot of changes at Authors on the Air this year and our network is now an all-podcast format. So I'm excited to welcome you to my first official podcast, but I'm even more excited to introduce you to my guest today. We'll be talking with none other than the New York Times best-selling author and former editor-in-chief of Cosmopolitan magazine, Kate White. Kate made Cosmo the number one selling U.S. magazine during her 14 years at the helm, and she has published more than a dozen best-selling mystery and suspense novels. And she's recently written a book entitled The Gutsy Girl Handbook, Your Manifesto for Success. And this is Kate's second time on my show, and I am tickled pink to have her back. Welcome, Kate. Thank you, Shannon. I have to tell you, this is the best career book I've ever read. It is it is jam-packed with real-world advice about finding your professional niche and climbing the corporate ladder uh, navigating politics and negotiating tactics, the good girl instinct. What is that? Well, I think a lot of women have a tendency to worry too much about how everybody else is going to react to what they're doing. I'm not saying don't be nice, don't be a decent person, but good girls pay too much attention to everybody else's needs and not their own. And it's really important to sometimes just say, hey, I can't worry too much whether somebody else is going to mind if I ask for more or if I take a seat at the table. You just have to think about yourself, think of yourself and what is important for you at that time and go for it. And I think that that is is a fundamental message that is all throughout this book, which is kind of Take control, take your own uh, future into your own hands and, and make things happen. And so I love, there's a, there's a quote that you've got in there. You say, instead of ready, aim, fire, say aim, fire, ready. And uh, exactly. I think more women need to train themselves, retrain themselves to kind of jump in with both feet. So how can, how can someone get to the point where they're ready to aim first? Well, I think, first of all, it's important to understand that you don't always have to be 100% ready. When when I did a book about, oh, over 20 years ago, Why Good Girls Don't Get Ahead, But Gutsy Girls Do, which mm-hmm. this book is based on, I think then women did have, uh, you know, there, there are a lot of women who did think of themselves as as good girls, and that came from the way we were brought up. We, were, we weren't supposed to jump into a puddle with our party shoes on, and we were supposed to be all buttoned up. And I don't know today if, if so many women think of themselves actually as, hey, um, I'm a good girl. But the, the fear of not doing something because we're not 100% ready, I think is still very prevalent. Absolutely. You, as I said, you don't have to be 100% ready. There there was an interesting study a while back presented in 
a number of different books. I think it's even in Sheryl Sandberg's Lean In that women think they have to be 100% ready, have 100% of the qualifications to raise their hand for a promotion. Mm-hmm. And guys only think they need 60%. And it turns out that there really was no such study, that it was just it, – it's one of those things that kind of became an urban legend moving sure. around a lot. <laughs> and But it was based apparently on something a guy had said in an interview. And the thing is, he's right. We mm-hmm. do – often worry that we have to have every single one of those qualifications. And so I think one of the first things is just realize you don't. And and we have to then, I think, sometimes do something that I, I realize was important is use a different metric. If there If there is a promotion out there or another job and you're convincing yourself gee, I don't know if I have everything it takes. It might be too much of a stretch for me, and if I do it, I'll fail. I love to use a different metric sometimes, and instead of worrying about am I ready just to think, um, can I do it? Would mm-hmm. I regret not doing it? How 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 much do I want this? Because I, I think usually we're smart enough not to want something that we can't do. That it's, it's that if you really want it, it's a sign. I mean, if you if you regret not getting it, it's a sign that you are ready. Yes, yes, and and you don't have to learn every little infinitesimal detail before applying or or before making the career move. Obviously, a certain amount of preparation is going to be necessary. And you have a quote from uh, former Senator Barbara Mikulski saying, you can't push the envelope until you know how the post office works. (laughs) Right, exactly. You don't want to ever be in a situation where where you've done no homework. Mm -hmm. And it is good to get the lay of the land. Of course, she mixes some metaphors there because you pushing the envelope is really a a term that's used, I think it was an Air Force term. But uh, so you don't need to know how the post office works. But it's right. the idea that, yes, you don't want to, let's say you're at a meeting and you want to bring up an idea. It's good to have a sense of what's the agenda at the meeting, uh, who's going to be there, what are they going to be looking for. And certainly if you're going to bring up an idea, not only have researched it, but don't be afraid to rehearse for a meeting where you really want to shine. Don't just wing it. But it's not necessarily... Sorry, that it has to be a hundred percent ready before you speak up, before you raise your hand. Mm-hmm. I mean, we all we all learn as we go with with every aspect of life, and and you you stress the importance of of creating a brand, a, a brand for yourself, and a a brand statement that kind of you know guides you, and you can you know check back to that <laughs> as you progress right. in your career. And so um, you say that every aspect of your work life should be on the brand, your your letters, your business cards, your social media. How can women become more self-aware of the vibes they are emitting and whether they're actually projecting the image that they themselves think in their head? Well, there's two different things we're really talking about here. One is brand. The other is maybe executive presence. Mm-hmm. And the idea of having a personal brand now is is it's it's been out there for a while and sometimes I think it almost seems a bit cliched and people roll their eyes a little bit. 
but it is important because it means that this is what you stand for. And the more you can define that, it allows you to say yes to the things that matter and no to the things that don't. Sure. Because then you're making decisions based on, is this really going to work for me and what I need to do and not being all over the map? At the same time, in addition to you wanting to project your brand, you also, it's very important to have executive presence where you are coming across in a way that really looks like you own a room. And it's essential to dress for the job you aspire to, that we're in uh, an environment now where people dress down for jobs. And if if you work for a company in the field where that's okay, that's fine. But you have to be careful about doing that just because you think some of your peers do and your boss may not, but your peers do. You want to dress for the job you are aspiring to. And it's often best to just dress like your boss. And uh, uh, not only dress that way, but to speak that way too. We need to speak for the jobs like the jobs we're aspiring to. And for for women, it's important to avoid some of those common problems we've run into where we use fillers like um or ah, uh, or we do up talk at the end, like I'm in advertising. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the more you can practice your presentation skills and really come across, like as I said, you own the room, that's really going to serve you well. Most definitely, most definitely, and and you say that as far as as far as managing your tasks and and getting to the point and figuring out what to put in your presentation, that we have a lot of unnecessary items on our to do list that we don't necessarily realize are unnecessary that either don't need to be done or that we can delegate that responsibility to someone else to focus on on the big picture. So how can people distinguish between what is essential and what tasks are really dispensable? Well, I think, first of all, it's just so important if you go back to not just what your brand is, but what what department you're working in and what are those goals, what should you be saying yes to? And sometimes people, and this may be true particularly for good girls, want to just show what troopers they are, how much they can help everybody else, else how they, how much they can help people out. Yes. It's really essential to ask yourself, is this going to advance my agenda and the agenda of my department? Mm-hmm. Or am I just doing this to be a bit of a brown noser, to look busy? Right. What is the goal of what I'm working on right now? And we have to be good about sometimes letting go of stuff that doesn't matter. And when... You, if you're worried about how your boss is going to respond, you can just say, look, I, I've i got a couple of things on my plate here, but I was hoping you'd help me establish uh, priorities right now. And sometimes uh, maybe somebody else has dumped something on you, and your boss would simply say to you, well, don't worry about that right now. So if you don't know how to prioritize because you're just getting getting into the swing of things, I just want to be sure you don't, you, you don't look clueless. Mm-hmm. And uh, present it as a way that you want that you just want to be sure that you're working on what your boss wants you to be working on. 
that is really good advice because I think a lot of times women will will go in and they'll ask questions and like you said they'll they'll end sentences you know with an up inflection and they will apologize for asking questions and they kind of come across as fumbling when they're not when they're completely together about you know what what what's happening and and where to go but they apologize for asking questions yeah we do have this tendency to apologize too much and mm-hmm. you just have to let go of that and if if there's something that you didn't understand you just say thank you for presenting that information to me that's exactly what i was looking for and just note how many times you end up saying i'm sorry during the course of the day and was it really necessary look what happened at the u.s open the other day with naomi she apologized and here she played beautiful tennis and she won but because of the mess she felt the nerve need to apologize and sometimes that's a knee-jerk reaction for us and it's it makes you look less powerful if that's what you're doing yes yes facetime facetime with your boss uh and, and your colleagues you, you you say in the book get off your darn email and into the room so how important is face-to-face contact in the business world i think it's really important to have face-to-face time with people. One of the interesting things that I discovered when I was running Cosmopolitan was that a lot of millennials said that they were so used to dealing with people through text and phone that it actually made them nervous and uncomfortable at times to sit down face-to-face. Oh, wow. And look, there are plenty of times where you don't want to bother somebody by saying you've got to meet with me in person. And it's good, too, to, to scope it out. Some bosses, for instance, may not want you popping in every single minute. They may prefer for you to send them an email during the course of the day rather than sticking your head in, in the doorway to their office. Suss it out. You can get a sense of that. You can even say, if your boss says, uh, I want updates, you can say, would you like me to do that in person or is the email going to be okay? Particularly when we're making contacts, when we are trying to expand our network, the more you can meet people face-to-face, the more they're going to remember you, the more you're going to be able to get some traction. And, sure. and that line actually comes from an old entertainment editor of mine, who left to start her own talent booking business in L.A. And she said that so much of that came from actually saying to someone, would you mind if we drop by? I'd love to introduce myself. And she said that she found that younger people had a tendency to not want to meet face-to-face. But that's really where you can make such an impact. Definitely, definitely. And that's you're not just a, a faceless name on a piece of paper or on a computer monitor you're actually you're you're the full well-rounded person exactly exactly yes and so you you talk about generating ideas and you want to bring something to the the company that hasn't been brought before you really want to make yourself stand out and so you have a a, a barometer saying can it be better bigger bolder mm-hmm. and more badass so tell me a little bit about um, what what things fall into better, bigger, bolder, badass? Well, 
all ideas, uh, big, big, bold breakthrough ideas are the currency, they're they're at the core of any successful business. And one thing I used to see people making the mistake of doing when they worked for me, particularly when they were younger, is they did exactly what they were told to do. But what you're really looking for is to walk into your office sometime or send you an email saying, you know, what if we did such and such? And often you don't know how to, in particular when people are younger, you don't necessarily know how to spell that out Mm -hmm. to somebody. But when people go do beyond what their job description is, and part of that is coming up with big ideas, those are the people who really knock your socks off. And they might not have to be an idea per se, like, you know, what if we invent a a car that no one actually has to drive? It just just goes on its own. (laughs) But that they are just challenging the way things have always been done in a certain place or Mm -hmm. they're stabilizing in a great way that looks that's bringing in newness and freshness to the place. And why I love those four Bs is those were a way that I always used when I was working to look at something I was doing and propel myself to go even stronger with it. So, for instance, uh, just really quickly, I once saw something, I heard something on the radio about melanoma being the fastest growing cancer for women in their 20s. And I decided I was going to put something in the magazine about it that very day put something in the magazine about it. But I asked myself, you know, could this be bigger or bolder or better, more badass? You know, I would always go through those questions. And I ended up coming up with the the decision not just to do it in one issue, but to do something in every single issue and make it something called the Practice Safe Fun campaign. Mm -hmm. And that became so huge for us. And we ended up getting involved in, uh, helping legislation to be passed and big practice safe fun awards and it really impacted how women used um, spent time sunbathing and it, it led to tons of advertising dollars by companies that wanted to be aligned with practice safe sun. So if I had just said, let me put something in this issue, nothing would have come of it compared right. to me going, hey, could I go bigger with this? Could I go more badass? How far can I take this idea? And it's really great to get into the habit of doing that with your ideas at work. Definitely, definitely. And that's that's a perfect example from the book right there because that is, um, you know, if you didn't tell yourself to run it through these bees, then you probably wouldn't have thought about it. But you've made it part of your routine. Yeah. Yes, right. so to think about it. Sometimes it seems not very creative to make it so methodical, but we all get busy. We get caught up in the way things have always been done before. So the more you can just give yourself little techniques for saying, how could I go bigger with this? Another one I love to use is just the phrase, what if? To to hear something somebody said and go, hmm, you know, that's interesting. What if I did this? And yeah. get in the habit of making creativity a part of how you look at everything you hear that might be su- surprising to you. Take it one step for- further. What could you do with it? And that's what will really make you stand out. And you, um, you, you I, I love the, this advice that you give in the book. You say, 
don't be afraid to be bad at something. You don't have to be perfect at everything. You just need to identify your strengths and weaknesses and to not be afraid to fail. So the fear of failure is, is so prevalent in just about every psyche. How, how do you suggest people get, become okay with not winning at everything and realizing they're just not going to be good at everything? Well, I first heard this at a program at Harvard Business School that, that I was part of from a woman named Frances Fry. And her point is that if you look at the really good businesses, they don't try to be all things to all people. Mm-hmm. They decide what their brand is and they stick to it and they let go of the need to be good at everything. And the only way we can be really good in terms of our brands is to accept the fact we're not going to be good at everything Mm -hmm. and let go of certain things. And as you move up, you could say, you know what, I'm going to delegate that. I'm going to look for people to hire who can do that or I'll manage around it. And when you try to be good at everything, you end up as sort of this goody two-shoes that never has the time or the energy to be really, really good at the things that are your passion, that are your strengths, and can really make you stand out. Sure, you can't aim. Mm -hmm. That's right. Just so figure out what are you really good at. For instance, uh, in my career, I was never really great with fashion. It's something that I appreciated I liked, but it wasn't my strong suit. I just let it go. I was great at writing cover lines. I was great at understanding readers. And uh, uh, I came up to the articles department, and those are my areas of expertise, and I worked those. And Mm -hmm. that's important because that helps you with your brand identity, too, that you're not saying, I do it all. You're saying, I do this, and I do it really well. Sure, sure. So how did you get dusty? Where, what was your trajectory from, from being a young woman into being a total boss? Well, for me, I would say, and I think this is true for a lot of women, it's tapping into a gutsy instinct that had been kind of tamped down a bit. Mm-hmm. Because what happens is we are, I think, naturally gutsy. And then all it takes is somebody saying, hey, hey, careful, uh, you know, just hold on just a minute, or don't do that, you're going to sound too braggy. And all of a sudden, you step back and you start squashing some of that gutsy instinct. Yes. And it's important to understand that uh, you you shouldn't squash that. Yeah, you do want to get the lay of the land, but as we were talking before about But then it's just so important to realize, you know what, there's so many prizes that come from not hesitating, from being gutsy, for speaking up, taking the seat at the table that's empty without thinking, well, somebody else is probably sitting there. Definitely. Let's close with kind of a a bigger topic. We're, We're struggling, women struggle with the instinct and the socialization to acquiesce and shrink and and hold on and be careful, just like we were told. But on the flip side, we're struggling with society's instinct to shy away from strong women. And and there's obviously, you know, you had your why good girls don't get ahead but gutsy girls do. It was needed in the marketplace when that was published, and it is needed in the marketplace right now. So, So things are changing a little bit, but that is a need that's definitely there. How do we find that 
sweet spot and what can we do as a society to to help? Well, we are making advances and I think until then, the more you can read the room and understand that sometimes you're going to have to soft pedal it a little bit if you're dealing with some people who are going to think, oh, she's bossy if she does that. I'm a big believer as you know from the book about negotiating a starting salary. Never Mm -hmm. take the salary that's offered to you. You say, thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here, but I was hoping for this amount because they're often low-balling. And if you have a sense in that moment that, wow, they're not used to women doing this sort of thing or it's going to throw them off, if you've read the room, you may realize, you know what, I've got to be careful how I say this. I do have to ask for more, but maybe they need a little more flattering than somebody else might, or they need me to just show how inclusive I am with that. So then lay it on, you know, really come out with, gee, this is such a fabulous place. I'm just dying to work here, but I was really hoping for this amount. Can we get there? And and just tone down things a little bit if you feel they have to be toned down at that moment. But don't let that stop you for asking. Just read the room and get the right tone. And there, there's no one-size-fits-all behavior for anything. Absolutely, yeah. you're right. And that's why the more you can not just in life pay attention to the last book you read, even if it's mine, just use the ideas as as a guide but know that in different circumstances, you're going to have to play it differently. To all the listeners out there, I really recommend this book for, for women of any age. It's uh, Kate White, The Gutsy Girl Handbook, Your Manifesto for Success. And it's, I mean, it, it is real details and real steps that can be taken to, to, to launch and or improve your career. I can't thank you enough for coming on the show. Well, I'm so flattered to be asked back. I'm excited to think you were the third guest I've ever had that's a that's a repeat guest and and you are you're you're fantastic and I appreciate that you've taken the time out to talk to my listeners about uh, about your book and about what they can do to enhance their career. So thank you Great. so much. Uh, thanks so much Shannon. enjoy being on again.